some of us are lucky. We're born into families and into societies where we feel like we belong. Others of us, because our self-concept is so low because of shame, we feel like the only places we belong are the places we don't really want to belong. And for others of us, we don't feel like we belong anywhere or with anyone. A lack of belonging is what plagues our life. Belonging is one of the highest frequency vibrations in this universe. In fact, if we considered love, belonging, and oneness to be one color, all they would be is different shades of that same color. It is also a basic human need. Now, in the spiritual field, we believe that we should, it's not only possible, but we should transcend human needs. We have confused the concept of needs with the concept of attachment. So we think it's possible to not need something that you need, but it's not. Belonging is a basic human need. All beings in this universe need it in the same way that all beings in this universe need love, because they are love. We use our spiritual practice to go against our own biology instead of with it. We need to feel as if we belong in order to feel ourselves to be connected with or one with anything in our lives instead of completely alone. We are social creatures. If we do not have social interaction, we die in the same way that a plant dies if it doesn't get any water. So we have to start understanding that our social needs are actually more important to a social species than physical needs. So literally, that's why isolation torture works. It kills people because we need contact. We need belonging. To belong to something is to be part of something. But true belonging is going to be so much a part of something that you can't not be a part of it. So here's what I mean by that. Let's say that you are a member of some kind of a social club. That's not true belonging because the day that you stop paying your membership fees or decide you don't want to be a member, you don't belong in that club anymore. That can't be true belonging. In true belonging, it does not matter whether you don't want to be part of it. You're still part of it. It's almost like you're either part of it or you're dead. So for example, you're human right now. Look down and look at your body. Can you be unhuman right now? No, and it doesn't matter how far you run away from the human race, you can't erase the humanness from you. That's what true belonging is. So I'm gonna demonstrate the true power of belonging to you right now, right? So here we have paper. Let's say that part of this paper says, I don't wanna to belong to you anymore. I don't want to, it's not my thing, I'm going away, right? So let's say the paper goes, I'm going over here. I don't want to belong anymore. It's still paper. You can't make this turn into something like a pencil or a cell phone. It's paper. You can't take the paper out of paper. So regardless of where these are in terms of vicinity, it's still paper. That is true belonging. Now think about the security in that. Some people are like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling trapped. That's an indication that the type of belonging that you experienced was not true belonging, it was false belonging. I'll get to that in a minute. But think of the security of connectedness. If no matter what you do, you can't not belong. In true belonging, you are held and contained by something. 
It is the most positive expression of ownership in existence. In this kind of ownership, all parts are indivisible from the whole, so you cannot do harm to a part without harming the whole. For example, if someone belongs to you and with you, you take them as part of yourself and so you cannot hurt them without hurting yourself. This is the complete opposite of the form of ownership where something doesn't belong to you. It's simply a possession that you have of a thing, so you can harm it without perceiving any harm to yourself because you don't actually see it as part of yourself. It is this type of belonging that was intended for the contract of marriage, spiritually speaking. <laughs> to love something is to take something as a part of yourself. By that definition, it is obvious that love and belonging go hand in hand. Now, obviously, if something is a part of you, it belongs to you. You own it in that way, in the same way that it owns you. One of the problems on this planet is we get into relationships that are absent of belonging. Our relationships are entirely conditional. We don't ever take the other person in as part of ourselves, and so we cannot consider their best interests as a part of our own best interests. The opposite of belonging is exclusion, isolation, and ostracization. Now, the reason that some people have a strong aversion to the concept of belonging or positive ownership in any way is because they have experienced the exact opposite of belonging under the disguise of belonging. Now, the Christian religions have this saying, which I actually think is freaking brilliant. It's that the devil's greatest disguise is Jesus Christ himself. Meaning that if the devil comes down to the planet Earth and wants to completely destroy people, all he has to do is to pretend to be the Jesus, the singular Jesus. I am Jesus, follow me. <laughs> so in the same way, so many harmful things that are, the, in fact, the exact opposite of the purity of the thing we're looking for, disguise themselves as that pure essence. It's the ultimate wolves in sheep's clothing type of technique. Here's how it applies to belonging. The best example of this shadow side of belonging, which isn't true belonging, is cults. In these groups, to belong is to no longer be free, but to be owned like an object. In these groups, the well-being of the individual members, or lack thereof, does not impact the overall group. In fact, often the detriment of the individual is what most benefits the people who are the higher up in the groups. In these groups, belonging is determined by exclusion. They are defined by who doesn't belong versus who does belong. They are exploitative as well. And first and foremost, punishments, including ostracization, is a consequence of not conforming to the group. Looking at the shadow belonging, which isn't actually true belonging, you can see that many religions, social groups, and even families fit into this category. A common form of non-belonging, disguised as belonging, that happens in families that are dysfunctional is as followed. Let's say you have a parent who is innately self-centered. They can't actually take anything in as part of themselves because they don't recognize that anything other than just them exists. Everything's kind of an extension of them, but in a negative way. What will happen in these families is that the child that does not please them will be ostracized from the family and exiled and pushed away. That's the consequence for not behaving like they want them to behave. That child becomes what we call the family scapegoat. To the flip side, and these are the people, by the way, who, who don't like belonging, is a child who's called the golden child. They're the favored child. They learn the adaptive strategy 
of conforming to the expectations of the parent by completely getting rid of their own identity. They erase who they are for the sake of the parent. And that's how they stay safe within that family group. Now that parent says, you belong with me. But inside the child knows, yeah, I just belong with you because I'm completely doing anything you ask of me. I'm erasing any impulses, any desires, any wants just to fit in with what you want to keep myself safe. And so there is no kind of loving feeling within that belonging because a consequence waits on the other side. Now to these types of people, belonging will feel like enmeshment. It feels like their identity is getting engulfed and they will be obsessed with freedom. What I need more than anything is to not belong. But that's because they haven't actually felt true belonging. Now this is where I'm gonna basically tell you an awesome truth. If it is possible for ostracization, disinclusion, or non-belonging to be a consequence of any type of behavior, there was no belonging to begin with. Going off this last example of a child who learns that their way of coping with this world and being a part of it is to create a split within themselves between who they really are and the person who they present with the world in order to fit in. This split causes all kinds of issues, most especially a push and pull in relationships because they can't really be authentically who they are and belong. They're going back and forth between wanting who they really are and presenting whatever personality trait or idea or anything that will get them to fit in because they, just like every other person, know that safety and so much of their well-being is dependent upon connection. So it's kind of a push and pull between wanting connection and definitely not wanting it. The truth is, if we present anything to the world that is less than authentic, we don't actually fit in. It's a complete ruse. We don't fit in any more than a wolf fits in if it's dressed as a sheep in a sheep herd. And there will always be that part of you that's like, hey dude, it's me. This ain't working for me. Maybe working for you, but it's not working for me. This is a pretend game. The only hope you have for finding true belonging is to let your real self be known to yourself and then let it be known to the world. To find true belonging, you have to give up on trying to fit in. When we do this, we stop trying to belong with the people who really won't ever let us belong with them. And instead, we find the people who we do belong with. These are the people who will take us as themselves. This means if you start doing this, finally you can find them and they can find you. But if you're constantly in a disguise, are they ever going to see you? No. Because this concept is so incredibly important for you to understand, I'm going to go back to it. When I said that if it is possible for non-belonging or ostracization or exclusion to be a consequence in any way, there was no belonging to begin with, I'm going to give you some examples of what I mean. If it is possible for ostracization to be a consequence of separating from your religion, there was no belonging inherent in that religion in the first place. If it is possible to not belong or to be disincluded from your family, if there's a conflict or nonconformity, there was no belonging inherent in that family to begin with. With true belonging, you don't have to do anything in order to belong or keep your current belonging. Now, we could say that you truly belong to Source, to what people call God, because why? You're indivisible from it. You are a part of it. There's an innate belonging there because it can't cut you off from itself. You are it and it is you. But we have to experience belonging in our embodied singular forms if we're going to find any kind of well-being. 
Now, sometimes if our self-concept is bad enough, we feel like we can't belong anywhere except for in places we don't actually want to belong to. Here's a good example of this. If I believe I'm bad or dark or evil, I may want to belong to a family that is loving and wealthy, that cooks together, that I see as virtuous, but because of my self-concept, I can't feel like I belong there. I can only feel like I belong in a tattoo parlor where people are alone and dark and brutal and in pain who struggle to make ends meet, for example. Because a sense of belonging is such a strong need, it's the only way we can feel truly accepted, we will in fact gravitate towards the group we don't actually want to belong to, rather than the one we want to belong to, but can't. Now this next thing that I'm about to say is going to change a lot of your life if you're struggling with belonging. If you're struggling with belonging, it means you are operating in the world from the concept of shame. You're looking at yourself at a deep fundamental level like there's something wrong and bad about you. Now as a result, you can't actually recognize people's attachment to you. To recognize that people were attached to you, you'd have to see yourself as valuable, wouldn't you? And you don't. Obviously, if other people aren't attached to you, if it's just you constantly trying to get them to be okay with you being attached to them, there isn't much room there for you to feel connected in the world and to belong, is there? But I have the antidote for you. The antidote is to realize that it literally does not matter whether you perceive yourself to be worthy of connection and attachment or not. People are attached to you. Now, when we don't recognize that other people are attached to us, we just recognize how we are attached to other people, we can't actually take care of that connection, can we? If we don't even see it. So as a result, we push people away, we take them for granted, we do all kinds of things that don't nurture that connection. And the message that people get from us is, we don't matter to them. And so they either turn against us or leave us completely because they feel undervalued by us. And it just reinforces the cycle of, see, I'm not worthy enough to belong somewhere. When in reality, we're doing it because we can't recognize that people are actually attached to us. The question in all of our relationships should be, how can I provide a sense of belonging to this person? What would I say or do differently if I considered them to be a permanent part of me? Taking this one step further, we are not just providing this shadow form of belonging, or should I say, non-belonging, disguised as belonging, to other people, we are providing that to ourselves. Anytime you look at an aspect of yourself with an attitude of, okay, that needs to change or vanish or whatever, it doesn't belong with me, you're doing this to you. Now that part is within you. So when you do that to yourself, you are registering non-belonging within yourself. In other words, because you're trying to exclude this part of you from you, you're telling that part it doesn't belong with you, but because it's part of you, you feel that feeling of inner isolation, exclusion, and rejection. For example, if part of me is deeply in pain or angry and I have the attitude that I want that part of me to be gone, I'm creating an atmosphere of non-belonging inside myself. And the result is this part of me cannot be disincluded from me because it's me, so all that will happen is I will feel more pain and more anger. Therefore, relative to ourselves, we need to ask, how can I provide a sense of belonging to this part of me? What would I say or do differently if I considered it to be a permanent part of me? One good way to culture a sense of belonging within ourselves is to look deliberately for similarities. Now, if we suffer from non-belonging, 
We're constantly scanning the world for differences. Why? Because differences are a threat. Differences is what gets us abandoned. Differences is what makes us alone. So literally our life is just scanning the environment and every person for the differences between us. And when we recognize those differences, we feel pushed away from them. We feel isolated. We feel like we don't belong. So do the opposite in every person that you meet, in every circumstance, even physical things. How am I the same as this thing? You will notice that in the beginning of our relationships, when we've got all those chemicals going towards attraction, all we notice is how we're the same. You know, you get next to somebody at the bar and they're like, oh yeah, that's really interesting. I like softball. And you go, oh my gosh, I like it too. This is why we feel such a natural sense of belonging with someone. It's why our minds go, oh my gosh, maybe I've met the one who I belong with. It's because we're noticing similarities. Now, as we, we come together because of that sense of similarity and belonging, there's a phase in our relationships that's called the individuation phase. Now, this is where we start to differentiate ourselves from each other within the context of the relationship. What makes us different? Now, a lot of relationships don't survive past this phase because we felt like we had such belonging. Now, suddenly we start to recognize how we're different, how we have different needs, how we're pushing each other away. And it's at this phase that we start to feel like we're losing that belonging. It's at this point that we have to consciously work at love. And it's at this point that we have to consciously start looking for and culturing those similarities, just like we did in the beginning of our relationship. So we can consider ourselves connected and we can consider that we belong together still. Another thing is pain is inherently isolating. I've not met people that don't belong that aren't in a great deal of pain and the pain itself says you're the only one going through this. In fact, look at all these people who are feeling good and you're not. You see how you don't belong in that circumstance? So one other way to culture belonging is to in fact see how other people feel the same pain that you feel, experience the same painful things that you experience. And just by virtue of doing that, you will recognize your connection with humanity as opposed to how you've been singled out or don't belong. This is the main reason why Alcoholics Anonymous even works in the first place. The root of every single addiction is isolation. So what happens when you get a group of people who are isolated in their addictions into a room together? They look around and go, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one. In fact, now I have a sense of belonging within Alcoholics Anonymous itself. And because of that sense of connection, obviously we've been dealing with the root of that addiction, which is isolation. That is the main reason why it succeeds. Another way to culture belonging is to accept people. Now, acceptance is much different than we think it is. Acceptance is not condoning something, saying we agree with something. It's literally to take something in as valid, to accept it as real. Acceptance is the opposite of denial and avoidance. Doing this makes your being consent to receiving it and digesting it as truth instead of fighting to not acknowledge it or not take it in. Now, acceptance also has nothing to do with whether you want to change something or not. It's simply about being able to acknowledge something as valid enough to let that acknowledgement in instead of fight to keep it out. To accept someone is to recognize any part of them as valid, regardless of whether or not you have the same opinion, feeling, or perspective. For example, we may have a child who believes that they do not belong with us. Why? Because they're gay and we don't accept that they're gay. Because we're saying, no, no, I'm not going to take that part of you in. We're ostracizing it. To accept is to say, okay, you know what? The reality is 
they're gay. It is also to see how from their life experience and feelings and perspective, it is valid that they identify as gay. Validating others builds a sense of belonging. In fact, one could say that validation and validating others is how they know we accept them. By validating them and accepting them, we are saying to that internal experience, you are understandable and you're understandable to me. In this position, there's no opposition. It is possible to belong and to be different from one another. For this reason, in order to learn how to validate, I encourage you to watch my video titled The Emotional Wake-Up Call. All of us on the planet, starting with you, have to wake up to the ways that we are pushing people away from us instead of bringing them closer to us. That means we have to look at the thoughts we're thinking, the words we're saying, the actions we're taking. Now, what's interesting is every thought you think is one or the other. Either it pushes away or it brings something closer. Every word either pushes something away or brings something closer. Every action either pushes somebody away or brings them closer. Now, if you're telling the story, I want belonging or I want a good relationship, it is imperative that you start to recognize the ways you are thinking, saying, and acting that are a push away to other people because that is what is perpetuating the cycle. It's also imperative that we start to notice underneath all of the words and actions and whatever, these subtle energies of either pushing away or pulling something close so that when someone's doing that, we can say to them, I feel like you are pushing me away right now with that word you're saying or that thing you're doing so that we can wake each other up to the fact that even though we want love and belonging, so much of what we say and do and think pushes people away. The truth is that a human being cannot exist as an island. We cannot thrive alone. We need other people. And the truth of this universe is, beyond needing belonging, we do belong. It's an absolute of our existence. Why? Because you are indivisible from this universe that you live in. You are a part of it, whether you want to admit it or not, whether you recognize it or not. There is nothing in this universe that does not belong to you, and there is nothing in this universe that you don't belong to. Have a good week.